0: Hello and welcome to Climactic, thanks for joining us for this bonus episode. My name is Mark, and when I'm not publishing Climactic or working on the Climactic Collective, I work in the podcasting industry. It's a rapidly professionalizing space, and there are some great production houses out there making shows for clients, and for themselves. One of these is Sound Cartel, based here in Melbourne, and I'm pleased to call their team Friends. So when I heard today's episode of their new show, Business Essentials Daily, that dug into the ways businesses can get on the right side of the climate crisis, even now during the pandemic, and then in the recession to come, it was invigorating. This was the type of engagement on climate, in podcasts and media of all sorts, I couldn't wait to see more of. So I reached out and asked if we could share it with you, our listeners. It's a great tie-in to our next episode of Climactic, which is actually a recent episode of the long-running BZE community radio show from Think Tank Beyond Zero Emissions. No points for guessing what they said, because you're about to hear it now. This short, sweet, and plain business English interview with Anna Scarbeck, CEO of the Think Tank Climate Works, on how businesses taking action on climate change aren't just doing the right thing, They're doing the financially sound thing. Learn more about Sound Cartel, their shows Business Essentials Daily, and Podcasting Essentials at soundcartel.com.au. And if you hear of anyone in need of help with a podcasting project, point them their way. Our thanks to Nick, Nikki, and the whole team, and enjoy.
1: Sound In the last six months, we've been forced to slow down across the world at almost exactly the same time. The improvement to water and air quality has been remarkable and business and industry are taking note of what a reduced emissions world could look like. But as we begin to slowly reopen, what can businesses practically, easily and cost-effectively do to move forward with climate in mind? From Sound Cartel... I'm Nicole Goodman, and this is Business Essentials Daily. We've all seen the photos of the Himalayas pre COVID versus now, the clear blue waters of Venice, even the Sydney skyline cleared right up. As a respite from lockdown, people have also been exposed to nature in ways that shopping, running the kids around, and coffeeing in cafes have distracted us from in the past. However, the pandemic may have paused the creation of emissions, but it hasn't changed the underlying infrastructure and equipment that will create emissions as soon as it's turned back on. And so, the task ahead of us is exactly the same as before. Says Anna Scarbeck, CEO of ClimateWorks Australia, a non-profit think tank and advisory body helping bridge the gap between climate research and action. Climate Works provides guidance to government and business on how to implement plans for the ultimate goal of zero net emissions by 2050 and tracks their progress. Anna also says that while there is a lot of awareness, we need to do more to reduce emissions. She explains that it's often hard for business and government to move from the if to the what the how, and ClimateWorks helps identify pathways to get there. The good news is that the information and products are available, and as well as being good for the environment, these choices can be good for your business bottom line as well. But for some business owners at the moment, simply paying wages is challenge enough. So I begin by asking Anna what practical steps companies can take as we start to reopen and that can build on the gains that we've made, but not send businesses broke.
2: The most obvious way to start is energy savings. All of our research and many others shows that it's cost-effective today to upgrade most of the buildings that we live and work in to even higher standards than the minimum building code requires, and that those upgrades pay for themselves in energy savings. The upgrades include... Very basic measures such as sealing the drafts, which everyone would appreciate in winter to make buildings less breezy, right through to upgrading, for example, heating of rooms and hot water to heat pumps, for example, that are more efficient than gas versions. Reverse cycle air conditioning and heating is also more efficient than older forms of heating. And there are now financing mechanisms that allow you to borrow the capital for that equipment and pay it off slowly with the energy savings so that you're actually cash neutral. So no worse off, yet you've got the better equipment. And that's called an Environmental Upgrade Agreement or Better Building Finance. It's available now in a program through the municipal rates payments, and it's quite simple to access for small businesses. So that's the way you can pay for the equipment And the range of equipment is everything that I mentioned previously. It includes insulation, double glazing, ceiling fans even are a good complement to heating and cooling that use far less energy and can maintain a room's temperature. And there's a lot of smart software now that can automate, for example, when your hot water could heat when your solar panels are on, that can automate that you can turn heating and cooling and lighting off even when you're not in the house or the building. There's terrific technologies in the built environment and they are cost-effective today, it does mean you've got to be a bit proactive as a business owner to ask consultants or advisors or even your energy company for those solutions. And we haven't yet got in every area a one-stop shop type service for that, so sometimes you do have to look around for it. But increasingly there are some great websites and the Better Building Finance one allows some links through to service providers who can offer
1: that. So the ultimate goal is zero net emissions by 2050, which about 73 countries have committed to, including Australia. Can you explain what zero net emissions by 2050 means and what does that look like for small to medium businesses? It's actually
2: a game of maths, really. Zero net emissions is the only way that we can halt global warming. The temperature will continue to rise for as long as we create more emissions than can be absorbed every year. And since the Industrial Revolution, we've been doing that. And that has caused the warming of about one degree already, over one degree. So the race is on not just to slow down the rate of warming, but to stop it warming further. And so the 2050 estimate is a combination of the maths of how long do we think it would take to actually upgrade all of that equipment, but also to slow the rate of warming so that while we're over one, and one degree now, We don't go over one and a half or two in the time that we're doing the upgrades. If we, in fact, don't act quickly, then the 2050 deadline moves forward because we will have been warming faster than that initial mass allowed for. They're interdependent on each other. The goal is zero net emissions. The date depends on how fast we make progress. So what does it actually mean? We talk about four pillars of decarbonisation. How do you remove all the emissions from the economy? Energy efficiency is the first pillar. I talked about energy savings earlier. We've actually sitting on a lot of low-hanging fruit because energy traditionally hasn't been the top priority for many business owners and we haven't maintained upgrading our equipment to the best of what the market can achieve. Same for cars. Cars have improved more rapidly than all of the models that we choose to purchase indeed reflect. So it's about choosing the best in class, most efficient model every time you have an opportunity to upgrade your equipment And doing the life cycle analysis, so for example, lower fuel costs, lower energy costs usually pay for the new equipment. Pillar two is clean sources of electricity. And for Australia, it's renewables. Renewables have come down in costs so fast that they have now leapfrogged the other sources of zero emissions electricity like nuclear or coal with carbon capture and storage. And it is now possible for all small businesses in Australia to purchase 100% renewables through their traditional energy retailer. All energy retailers offer that product already. It's a very simple online click or a telephone call to your energy provider. Of course, if you own the building that you're on, you can also put solar panels on your roof. The third pillar is then to electrify, to actually convert all the other uses of fuel to electricity wherever you can. So that's switching gas to electricity and switching petrol and vehicles to electric vehicles. You can do that across your supply chain. You can require it. Australia Post is using electric vehicles. You can require it in your delivery supply chain, and you can obviously make sure that your corporate car fleet purchases now are electric. And you can ensure that when those cars are recharged, they recharge using the 100% renewable electricity. So you then have zero emissions transport as well as zero emissions electricity. Then the fourth pillar is non-energy emissions. Not every source of energy can be switched to electricity. And in aviation, for example, we're a long way off electric planes, but we can have biofuels and what's called synfuels or synthetic fuels and biofuels. And Australia could be self-sufficient in aviation biofuels made from forest waste, biomass that can create the liquid fuel that jets can fly on. And then there's non-energy emissions from agriculture, so the methane when cows burp, for example, but also when we make cement, currently when we make steel, there are process emissions in the chemical reactions for that, even separate from the electricity source that's been used. That takes a different type of innovation. We're now seeing very encouraging signs that hydrogen can substitute coal and steel making, it can substitute LNG and ammonia for energy that is shipped to other countries, But for some operations, like making cement, it's about actually changing the materials that help reduce the emissions that are created by that chemical reaction. And then finally, it's about capturing the remainder, so carbon capture and storage on industrial facilities where we can't otherwise avoid the creation of those emissions and burying those emissions in old oil and gas wells, for example. With agriculture, actually we can improve what we feed animals That means they will burp less, for example, in non-scientific terms. It's called enteric fermentation management. And there are vaccines that can also help adjust the methane that livestock produce, even while we're still farming the same livestock. In addition to that, we can plant more trees on farm and use deeper rooted grasses to enhance the soil carbon that can capture carbon from the atmosphere through plant growth and help offset what remaining emissions the livestock create. So that's what it looks like at an overall path for Australia and for businesses, the same thing applies across your supply chain. When you think about the four pillars, you think about the products and services that you create and that you purchase and that the way you run your own operations and you can apply the same four pillars across each of those steps to eliminate emissions in each step of the supply chain.
1: With so much support out there for businesses, Anna, why aren't more clamouring to make these changes? And with that in mind, what are the risks then to not achieving the zero net emissions target?
2: There are many. One of them is actually just natural human attention span. Business managers already have a day job. They're running their business. (laughs) This wasn't their area of expertise. And everyone gets busy. And this goes for the supply chain providers as well. If your gas heating breaks, you ring the tradie, they sell you what they sold you last time. It actually takes extra attention to embark on a transition. Even though the technologies are there, we're not there yet in them being in widespread mainstream use. And so how do you boost the priority that businesses spend on this effort? We've had legislation in the past. There's pressure from shareholders. There's pressure from consumers. Often now business leaders are under pressure from their own children to do the right thing by the planet. And there are increasingly new tools and websites that are available. So the Australian Government runs a carbon neutral certification program called Climate Active. That's got a great list of consultants who you can pay to make your business carbon neutral. They'll measure all your emissions. They'll take your electricity bills. They'll understand how you make products and services, and they'll advise you on how you can eliminate emissions. So you can outsource this, and there is now a professional service industry that provides this service. So really the only barrier is paying attention to it. There are other barriers like having the upfront funds to make the investment, even though they pay for themselves over time. So I mentioned in buildings, there's a mechanism for that. In cars, that's not always the case for corporate fleets. It can be. In mortgages, there's now a green mortgage product. So if you look, you can find a solution, but at the moment it does take that proactive approach and we would hope that momentum would build so that it's much more widespread I think increasingly we'll see also more mandatory steps where governments, both federal, but also state and local, will make it a requirement of doing business in the future.
1: That was ClimateWorks CEO Anna Scarbeck. For links to the Better Building Finance website and other sites with more information on energy saving technologies for your business, check out the show notes from this episode. This episode of Business Essentials Daily is produced by the team at Sound Cartel. Thanks for listening. I'm Nicole Goodman. We'll bring you more Be Daily tomorrow. Follow at Be Daily Podcast across social media and head to bedaily.com.au for more from the Business Essentials Daily Podcast. Sound Cartel.